Alrighty, so we will pick up this uh, piece that we started um, a couple of weeks ago uh, from where we left off. Uh, but let's just do a quick summary of where we're holding in this uh, fundamental piece from uh, from Reb Shimon, Reb Shimon Shkup, uh, in his introduction to the Shari Yosher, in order to get uh, uh, into the uh, the progression of what uh, what he will discuss from him uh, tonight. So what he said last week or two weeks ago was that he was defining the idea of kedoshim to you, that there's a concept, there's a mitzvah in the Torah to be kadosh, to be uh, to be holy, to be sacred, and famously the Ramban says about that mitzvah that the mitzvah is to be parish, is to separate yourself from that which is uh, which is extra, uh, from luxuries and whatnot. And he began the Reb Shimon began by wondering what exactly is the parallel of precious of asceticism when we go ahead and we equate that with God being Kaddish as well. And Reb Shimon said that the main idea is, is that just like God is dedicated to helping others, so too we have an obligation to go ahead and to use our resources in order to better the lives of others. And that ultimately is what the idea of Kedusha is. And the idea of Kedusha is that a person could, the, the opposite of Kedusha, using the Ramban terminology, is to be a Menuvah B'Shus Torah, is somebody who is going to stay within the parameters of Halacha in the sense that he's eating kosher and that he's not doing any Averas, but everything which he does, not everything, but much of what he does is very self-serving, is to satisfy himself, and nobody benefits from the activities which, uh, which he does. In contrast to a person who is kadosh, somebody who is holy, somebody who is parish, somebody who is a Torah ascetic, that is going to be a person who is going to, even when the person eats and even when the person sleeps and engages in the various physical activities that uh, that people engage in, but such a, a, a holy, dedicated person is going to do so with the intent that they will have the capacity, they will have the strength and the resources and the ability to go ahead and to better the lives of others as a result. So when you're eating dinner, you're not simply trying to enjoy the tasty food which is uh, which is served to you. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get yourself some more energy so that you can uh, uh, have energy to learn, you can have energy to work, you can have energy to give sheer, you have the ability to do all of those things. And that's how we transform our perspective from something which is very much self-serving and, uh, and, and self-centered to one which is outward focus, where you're going to be, uh, your, your goal of everything is to be able to help, assist, or better the lives of others. So that is where we left off a couple of weeks ago. And now we continue with Reb Shimon's next question. So here it should appear on the screen in front of you. We are here by towards the uh, the middle, or I guess the bottom of the page. We have the large word Amnam. So this is where uh, Reb Shimon now asks a very powerful question against himself. He's now challenging his own premise. He says Amnam, and again with this because it's such a fundamental piece. So we're going to read the, the 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 whole thing inside together. He says Amnam. That a person may say to himself, um, uh, and undoubtedly over the past couple of weeks, you've contemplated this exact point when we read about uh, his, uh, his initial wording, his initial thoughts about Kedusha. If a person will say, 
that a person has to submit his nature, the nature to be self-centered, and the nature to consider yourself the, uh, the, the center of the universe. So if my job is to subjugate my nature... Uh, to the to the opposite degree, to the to the other extreme, the other end of the uh, of the spectrum. And I should get myself to the point where I have no self interest whatsoever. Nothing that I do is for me. Everything which I do is for others. So maybe that is really what we're trying to we're trying to strive to get ourselves to that point, to that perspective, where everything which I do and everything which I think about and everything which happens in my life, I'm just thinking about how I'm going to go ahead and be able to provide for others. Good evening, Sue. The Choshi Fosa, we're at this second line of this bottom paragraph on the page. The Choshi Fosa, you rock And all I'm interested in, and all of my yearnings, and all of my focus is going to be exclusively, how can I go ahead and help another person? So in the extreme, and there are actually people who, 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 who did this, in the extreme, so a person, every time they get a paycheck, they take all of the money from their paycheck, and they share it with the poor. And they don't keep anything for themselves, because the entire goal is to go ahead and give and give and give and give, and they have no, there's no mirror that they use to look at themselves and whether how they are doing or taking care of themselves and their interests, all they're focused on is helping others. And a person may erroneously, sorry to be the spoiler over here, but a person may erroneously conclude that that's the ideal mindset to be able to reach, to be able to get to, in order to reach the sanctity, Kedusha, which resembles God. I have to become completely selfless, as if I don't exist altogether, and my only focus is going to be on others. In other words, that maybe that my, my kedusha, my uh, separation from worldly desires, is going to be so strong and so firm that the, because it resembles what God wants, because God's interest, through the entire creation which he made, the entire universe, in all of its expansiveness, in the way he set up the world to run, is so all HaKadosh Baruch Hu does in this physical universe is give, he gives, 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 and HaKadosh Baruch Hu personally gets nothing out of all of the giving that he does. So if we are supposed to say, Mahu rachu, rachum, just like he's compassionate, you're compassionate. Mahu chanun, chanun, just like he's going to have, uh, he'll be merciful. So you'll also be merciful. So so too, Mahu kadosh, kadosh. Just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sanctified, so I should also be the same way. And just like God gives completely selflessly and doesn't get anything out of all of the giving which he, which he does, so we have to do the same thing. Because at first glance, it may be possible, somebody may actually think, that if a person reaches this level, where they don't take care of themselves at all, they don't worry about what they are eating, they don't worry about what they're drinking, they don't worry about their home, they don't worry about any of those things, and they only think about others. So if a person could reach that, could reach that level, 
that is when a person becomes a Sholem, that's when a person becomes a full Oved Hashem, a full servant of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So this is what Rabbi Shimon says, that a person may think is the ideal, is to be selfless to that, uh, that, uh, that degree, without any personal interest whatsoever. Therefore, he says, to dispel that notion, to make sure that nobody thinks that that is actually what's expected of us, or that's even the ideal. So in order to make sure that we understand that that's not the ideal, Chazal teaches, we're on to now the second page here. So Chazal, go ahead and teach in the Medrash that that's not the case. This is not what God wants from us. Although there are many attributes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which we are supposed to strive to emulate, and we're supposed to try and, uh, and, and pattern our lives and our behavior after the way we know HaKadosh Baruch Hu behaves in this world, regarding this particular prat, regarding this particular detail to complete, be completely selfless and not think of, of, of ourselves at all, which is what God does, so this we are not supposed to do. This is not something where we're supposed to completely resemble God. And this is what the Medrash says, that you may have thought that your Kedusha, whatever that definition of Kedusha is, but the Medrash says you may think that your Kedusha is going to be comparable to God's Kedusha. It'll somehow be on the same level, the same shlav. Therefore the Medrash, therefore the Apostle says, Ki Kadosh Ani. Hashem says, ultimately, I am the only one who is fully Kadosh, and you're never going to be able to achieve the level of Kedusha of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be able to do. Because this Kedusha, this type of Kedusha, is, um, uh, is, is a behavior which creatures, creations can adopt, so a person can behave in a Kaddish manner, but it's not something which is really relevant to God. Because nothing in God ever changes by what he does. And we're going to avoid the whole 13 principles issue of uh, God changing and attributes of God and all of that stuff. If you want to go back and you want to uh, to study that, so you could uh, you could go back to the... Uh, the beginning principles of the 13 principles, that, uh, that series. And, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he's able to exist in a way where he's able to be completely selfless and he gets nothing out of the giving which he does. Okay, but now here's where this is where it gets interesting. He says, so what is it that God does want with us? It's, it's one thing to tell us all the things that God does not want, but ultimately, what is it that God does want? So here he said, he points out a fascinating, what would appear to be an inconsistency in perspectives as presented by Chazal. And he says, Aval meitanu, what HaKash Baruch Hu wants from us, is not to be godlike in this matter, to be completely selfless and to negate the existence of the self, the ego. We're not trying to nullify, we're not trying to obliterate, we're not trying to erase our ego altogether. 
How do we know? How could he possibly say such a thing? Is that what we're trying to do? Is we're trying to negate the ego, and we're trying to be le- we're trying to be less self selfish and more selfless? He says, because Rebbe Kiva went ahead and he taught very famously, Chayecha Kodmin. Chayecha Kodmin literally means that your life takes precedent over everybody else. Now, if you remember, you see that the in the parentheses over there, this is from the Gemara and Bab Metziah. This is in Perak Ezeo Neshech, the, the Perak about Ribis. In the, the case which is being discussed over there is um, the case where a, uh, a person, two people are in the desert, and Ruvain and Shimon are in the desert. Ruvain has a container of water, and Shimon does not. And there's only enough container in the water there's only, sorry, there's only enough water in the container for one of them to survive. So the first opinion uh, went ahead and said that, listen, being that uh, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's uh, Ruvain has an obligation to make sure that Shimon doesn't die, and there's only one thing of water, what Ruvain and Shimon will have to do is they will share the water, and if they both end up dying, they both end up dying. What are you going to do? Comes along Rebbe Kiva says, absolutely not. Rebbe Kiva says, Ruvain, it's your container of water, that you, Ruvain, who has a container of water, so you have the right and really the obligation, as we're going to see, to prioritize yourself ahead of Shimon. And even though Ruvain, by taking the water, knows that that means he's going to survive and Shimon is going to die, nonetheless, we have this halachic principle which says that you put yourself ahead of others. So putting yourself ahead of others doesn't sound like an attempt to negate the ego. Because if I'm trying to be completely selfless, if I'm trying to uh, you know, give up everything which I have in order to better the lives of others, to improve the lives of others, to give to others at my own expense, then I shouldn't say, that my life comes first. I should say, your life comes first. The other person's life should come first. And that's exactly not what Rebbe Kiva says. Rabbi Kiva goes out of his way to say that you should prioritize your life ahead of others. And so this seems to be inconsistent with the idea of Kedusha. Kedusha, on the one hand, is where I want to give to others in all of the resources which I have. So the goal is that it should not be used selfishly, but it should be used selflessly for the betterment of others. And yet we have a competing halachic principle. And that competing halachic principle says, that you have to prioritize yourself ahead of everybody else. And furthermore, in case that's not enough proof for you, points out Reb Shimon, Chazal also have an interesting uh, and curious way of interpreting the very famous Pasuk, that you should love your friend like yourself. Now what's interesting is, is that the Pasuk is put in the positive. You should love your friend like yourself. It's, it's, it seems to be describing what you should be doing towards others. Love, be, uh, behave in a loving manner towards others. That seems to be the simple reading and the simple translation of the Pasuk. But Chazal, when they interpreted that, they said, B'derech Shalili. They went ahead and they put it in the negative in this, you can see this on Masech Shabbos, when Chazal said, what's the meaning of the meaning of that passage is, 
that which you don't like that other people do to you, you shouldn't do to others. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. So that, that characterization of Chazal, points out Rib Shimon, isn't telling me that I have to do things for others. Chazal understand the Pasuk is telling me what I should not do to others. Those behaviors that you find annoying in other people, make sure that you don't behave in that way towards, uh, to- towards others. That you should be conscious of your behavior not to be, uh, not to be that guy or that annoying person. So, but when it comes to positive activities, so a person has the right, and it's appropriate for a person to go ahead and prioritize himself ahead of others. So this now is an incredibly curious, uh, is an incredibly curious thing. Because we have, as we said, we have these two competing principles now, which ultimately we're going to have to reconcile. Because on the one hand, Kedoshim Tiyu tells me I should be selfless. And yet, Rebbe Kiva, with Chayecha uh, Kodmin, and this, this uh, statement of Chazal and the Gemara and Shabbos, of the Havtal Kamocha, which says that I should make sure not to do to others what I don't like when uh, people do that annoying thing to me, that's not telling me what I have to do for other people. It's telling me behaviors which I should avoid doing to, uh, to other people. But in terms of what comes first, so you got to look out for number one. Chayecha Kodmin says that you are number one and you have the right and the obligation, really, to look out for yourself. So how do we go ahead and reconcile these two competing principles? Am I supposed to be selfless or, in a sense, selfish, prioritize myself? And then he says even further, and he says this is a, it's an interesting uh, uh, addition to this challenge which he's, uh, he's presenting now, he says, another point which, which is essential to point out, it should be a so brias adam, that at the very foundation of the creation of man, not a habori is barak bo chukas avas atzmo. So Kashbarhu inscribed into our DNA a selfishness, a self-love, which is the mida gedolamod. In a very strong and powerful manner, do we know that by and large we assume that the entire universe revolves around us? That's a, that, that that that's where everything goes. So everything which happens to us over the course of the day, everything is processed is why did God do this to me? The fact that there's 20 other people in line behind you at the checkout, and then there's somebody who's very slow going out there. So it's not just annoying to you. This is annoying to the entire store that this is taking place. But somehow we have the tendency to go ahead and see it through that very selfish selfish lens of how does this impact me? Right? There could be a three-mile backup on the the tri-state or something like that. And all we think about is how this is impacting me and my interests and what I need to do. And we completely ignore and don't pay any attention and don't even think about what's happening to others. And it's not as if this is something which is, it comes out of the blue. This is something which Rabbi Shimon says, HaGash Baruch Hu created us in this way to be very self-centered, to see ourselves as the center of the universe. And everything which happens in the world is always going to be, what, what is in it for me? How does this impact me? Uh, what's a, what, what, uh, 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 right, all, all that stuff. And he says that the uh, the Mukubalim, 
the uh, the people who are uh, wise men of truth refers to the Kubalim, refers to the Kabbalists, and they say in terms of the Matara, the goal of all of the Avodas Hashem, of all of the worship which we do, they said they use the following terminology: Ratzah Ein Sof Baruch that the Infinite One wanted, may He be blessed, Lios Meitiv Hatava Shlema. So he wanted to go ahead and provide us with the ultimate good, right? So we know the Ramchal says this very often in Arya Kaplan. If you've read anything from Arya Kaplan, you're familiar with this, this idea that being that Kash Baruch Hu is the ultimate tov, when he created the universe, he created the universe in a way where he'd be able to give over the ultimate tov, the ultimate good. And in order to do so, Shalo Afilu Boshes the Mekablan. So even if you were, even when he goes ahead and gives us something, he wants to make sure that what he gives us doesn't make us embarrassed. Right? There's a concept, there's a Kabbalistic phrase, which they use, again, which uh, you'll find in, uh, you know, in every Arya Kaplan book, an idea called Nama de Kisufa. Nama is Aramaic for bread. Kisufa is embarrassment or humiliation. So the uh, the Mekubalim asked the question, certainly from the Ramchal's perspective, that in the event that Gersh Baruch wanted to give us good, so why didn't he just create us and put it into Gan Eden? End of story. Right? Then we, we'd be able to enjoy the benefit of sitting Miziva Shechina, benefiting from the, uh, the, the light and the glory of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence. And I could just, uh, just create a world where skip all of this, uh, this, uh, this war and all this hardship and all the difficulties that we have in this world and just create Olam Haba and just implant us all in Olam Haba to be able to enjoy God's presence. Why not uh, just, go, uh, just go to the finish line, just skip the whole race, go to the finish line. So the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't do so is because of this idea which we call Nama de Kisufa. That if HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the ultimate good without us having to earn it at all, we'd be embarrassed to get it. And that's why somebody goes out and gives you, you know, if somebody were to walk up into you and just say, here, here's a thousand dollars. So many people would say, listen, you know, please, I, I, I don't need your handouts. I don't want anything. It's embarrassing when somebody wants to give you tzedakah and you don't really need the tzedakah. You don't, you don't want it. You don't, uh, you don't need it. It's not something which is, uh, which is satisfying to be able to receive things in such a way. So because Baruch Hu created the world in such a way where he doesn't want to give us things, which, which is going to cause embarrassment. And then he says, skipping where the, the source where he says this comes from, he says, right by this word Zeh over here, he says, this idea, Mavil, is actually astonishing to consider. How far does this idea, this nature which we have, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu implanted in us, that we should love ourselves and we should prioritize ourselves, how far, what's the extent of that principle? So this is something which Chazal said, I think it was in the Gemara and Kedushin, A person would rather have a small measure of something which they earned themselves than a large measure of somebody gifting something to you for free. So you'd rather have your own cucumbers and tomatoes, Mel, and stuff of that sort. That you'd rather go ahead and grow that, uh, you know, those vegetables yourself rather than somebody gift them to you. I'm not saying you shouldn't gift them to us uh, this year. I'm just, I'm just pointing out, Mel, that the person prefers something which they produce themselves 
than just to get something for free for no particular reason. And that's part of the nature of mankind is that we actually, that, that's a, that, that we prefer that. If the alternative is to get it for absolutely nothing. So that there's a tendency that people have that they don't want. You, there are plenty of people who, uh, who are in need of help and assistance and tzedakah and all sorts of things, but they're too proud to go out and do so. That's why, if you remember your Hilchah Tzedakah, if you remember the Rambam and Hilchah Tzedakah, that's why he says that the highest form of tzedakah is not when you give somebody money, it's when you give somebody a job. Because when you give somebody a job, you give them the opportunity to be able to earn it for themselves. And they feel much better about it when they get a paycheck because they put in time and effort and earned it themselves, then if somebody just goes ahead and gives them a, a, a check for an amount of money, that same amount of money from some tzedakah account. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us in that way that the reason why he said that Reb Shimon says that that's the nature of most people is that they would prefer to work and earn it themselves than to receive tzedakah. Now, again, 21st century American, that may longer be the case by and large in the population. <laughs> but, but for the most part, for much of the history of mankind, people would rather get a job, and even if it means they're earning less, than to go ahead and accept tzedakah from another person, which is a matnas chinam, which is a gift for nothing, which they didn't earn. And that's rooted in this idea of self-love, that I appreciate what I do in my efforts more so than anything else. And from all of these things, Rabbi Kiva's teaching, the Gemara in Shabbos, which teaches that doesn't really tell me what I'm obligated to do. It tells me what I should not do. Don't put your elbow on the seat rest on the plane over there, knocking the other person next to you so that they can't go ahead and put their arm there. Because nobody enjoys when they... when. When, nobody enjoys when somebody else does that to you, when you have to sit like this with your elbows, you know, in your rib cage for the two and a half hour flight, uh, however long it's going to take. So that's the way Chazal described, that's the way they characterize the mitzvah of And on top of which, Rib Shimon points out that Baruch Hu created us in a way where we are by nature very self-centered and very, uh, uh, very focused on, on self. And it's not a bad thing. It can't be a bad thing because that's the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us. So now, being that we have all of these indicators which, were, which, we, which we raised tonight, which point in the direction of the fact that we are supposed to be focused on self, and I'm even supposed to prioritize myself ahead of others. So how does that stim? How exactly is that going to fit in with what we talked about two weeks ago when we said Kedoshim to you, that I'm supposed to endeavor to be selfless and give to others and not be focused on myself. So that is his question in that, uh, that paragraph. So he says, Uladaiti. So now he begins to, and we probably won't get through, all, we're not going to get through all of this uh, paragraph uh, tonight, but we'll, uh, we'll begin. But he says, Uladaiti. So he says, if you're asking my opinion, he named he says, besides all of the bad things, that's the ra'os, all the ra, and all of the sins in the world that result from this, that when selfishness take, become, goes to the extreme, and a person can't see outside of himself at all, and all they can see is their own interest in all of that. So that certainly is a source of a lot of evil, and it's a source of a lot of sinful behavior which exists in this world. So that's true. Reb Shimon acknowledges that that's true. 
Ben hinei, gam lenisayon ha-osher, titztaref midazu lahachshilo adatom. But we know that wealth also, as, as much as those people who don't have wealth, uh, think of it as something which is attractive and something to strive for and something which would be some sort of ideal uh, to be able to, uh, to achieve. The truth is, is that having wealth is itself a tremendous, tremendous nisayim. It's a tremendous challenge to be able to manage that wealth al halacha. So with everything which is good, so Shimon is pointing out that just because something can be abused and used badly doesn't mean be'etzem, doesn't mean inherently it's something which is bad. The better something is, the more potential something carries, the greater risk it carries on the flip side of being able to be abused and misused and, uh, and, and misapplied. So he says that this is a huge, so just like the 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 uh, the focus on self, the focus on on, on ego, chayecha kodmin, is a nisayon and can be mishandled and can be abused. So wealth could really do the same thing. Kamoshukasov, like the Pasuk says, the Pasuk Mishli, pen esba vikichashti, that maybe I will become full, meaning that I'll have so much wealth and so an opulence and all of those things that I just have. You know, I'm uh, I'm using gold-lined tissues just because I have enough money to pay, pay for gold-lined uh, tissues or something. So I go ahead and I do that, just a waste of money, just for the sake of wasting money, because what else am I going to do with this money anyways? So I'll go ahead and, and do so. So he says, So he says that the truth is, is that, that together with the desire that a person has uh, of his own earnings, the kav shalom means his own efforts in his own earnings. But nonetheless, if a person, if Akash Baruch Hu blesses you with wealth, so this is a lesson for the wealthy people out there. So if Akash Baruch Hu, everybody, whatever you have, if you're happy with what you have, consider yourself wealthy. But when you look at what you do have, Everybody here has a computer, otherwise you couldn't be in the shear. So at least you have a computer. So he says, when you look at the wealth which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has bestowed upon you, and you believe fully and wholeheartedly, that really I own nothing. Everything I have is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided that he wants to share it with me. But we all know that in a heartbeat, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could take it all away that things could disappear very quickly, and all the things which we do have could be, be, could be gone very quickly. And if a person has that proper perspective, that whatever I do have is only because HaKadosh Baruch Hu has decided he wants to share it with me, and, it, and at any moment he could take it away from me. So the truth is, So the truth is, you're also poor. A poor person who recognizes that he doesn't have. So this person has to realize, I don't have mitzad atzmi, meaning vis-a-vis myself, I have nothing. God has a lot of stuff, which he's put into my house, he's put into my car, he's put into the possessions which I have, but all of that is God's. I'm a custodian over God's stuff, but none of it is actually mine. And even the things which I do have, at the end of the day, it's not mine. It belongs to somebody else. It belongs to Akash Baruch the muscle that I was thinking of as I was uh, as I was preparing today was you have a person who is a, let's say a, a a person is a 
professional chauffeur, and he drives around um, some wealthy athlete in a Lamborghini. So this guy spends all day driving around the Lamborghini. Does that make him wealthy? Absolutely not. It's not his Lamborghini. Now, what difference does it make whether he owns a Lamborghini or not? Either way, he's driving up and down the street in a Lamborghini. So it certainly feels as if he's in charge. He's the one who fills the gas. He's the one who gets the oil changes. He's the one who do, does all of those things. But at the end of the day, it's not his car. It belongs to the wealthy guy who pays him to go ahead and drive the car around. And being there doesn't mean that it's yours. Same thing if you're a butler in some wealthy guy's uh, mansion so or some wealthy guy's palace. So you're living in luxury. You have this enormous place that's, uh, that's available for you to be able to use fancy bathrooms and fancy shower heads and all of those, uh, the, those different things. Ice baths uh, you know, coming out of every room. And yet, at the end of the day, if none of it's yours, none of it's yours. So you could you could enjoy it from today till tomorrow, but you have to recognize it's not yours, and therefore you can't uh, you you can't look at it as that's part of who I am. It's not part of who you are. That's somebody else letting you use their stuff, and that's the correct way that Reb Shimon says a wealthy person has to look at their wealth. That at the end of the day, this is not mine. I am poor. I really have nothing vis-a-vis myself. I only have what Kadosh Baruch Hu is willing to share with me. Aval, however, this is the danger. Im if the wealth goes to a person's head and a person begins to believe in themselves, this is what we would call that inflated ego. You start to believe in yourself and your cunning and your wisdom and your uh, abilities and your, uh, your intellect and all of those things. As hakol shalom, then suddenly you think all of this is mine. That's what Haman, Haman is the ultimate person who said that all of this is mine. And, and as soon as he didn't have everything, he's able to say, that all of this is worthless to me if I don't have everything. So he is the one who said, then the person, this wealthy person is going to consider himself to be wealthy because he's deceived himself into thinking that he is the one Who's made this? Uh, who, who's made these millions? That he's responsible for it, and all of that is his doing, and that is his fatal error, taking credit for something which ultimately comes from God rather than rather than himself. So he says that in order. So now this person has a choice. Person now has a million dollars in the bank. They could either say God has a million dollars in the bank, or I have a million dollars in the bank. So what difference does it make? There's a million dollars in the bank either way. So what difference does it make whether you say it's God's million dollars in the bank or it's my million dollars in the bank? If I say it's my million dollars in the bank, I take credit for it and it's my wealth. I'm now a wealthy person. If I say it's God's money in the bank, right? How much money does a banker? Bankers actually don't handle cash anymore. But in the good old days, back in the 20th century, when bankers actually touched cash, the bank teller touched cash. So how much money was in front of them on any given day? They handled thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars over the course of their uh, their workday. Certainly over the course of the work week, they would handle tens of thousands of dollars in cash, but none of that was theirs. As soon as they begin to say, that's my money, that's usually when fraud and theft and deception takes place and they end up in, uh, in prison somewhere. So, But a person has a choice. They could either say, it's my money, I am wealthy, or say it's God's money and it's God's wealth. When you say it's my money, and I am wealthy, you're denying God's hand, God's role in your life. And that's why it's kfira. That's why it constitutes a denial of God's existence. 
And he says, as a result of that, so he says, a person's taiva, a person's yearning for more, so then it becomes an unsatiable desire. Because as, as soon as it's all about you, then you can't get enough of it. Just like with food and with drink and with all sorts of different things. Once you get yourself into that habit, once you become addicted to whatever it is that you're addicted to, so you can never get enough of it. So if a person becomes addicted to their own wealth, they also, they can't break free from it. And they always need more and more and more and more and more. And they just, uh, they, they, they just can't stop. You think that um, uh, Warren Buffett seemingly should be able to retire at this point. You think he has enough money that's going to last him for the rest of his life? You, we would assume nobody has actually seen his bank account, but it's pretty safe to assume that he's enough to take care of himself and his children and his grandchildren, and his great grandchildren, his great great grandchildren for the duration of their lives without having to work one more minute. And yet he continues to go ahead and uh, and work and work and work. He may enjoy work. That's it's from a different generation. But the bottom line is is that that we see that that happens to people that even after they've achieved and they've accumulated, they don't stop. They keep looking for the next way to make more money and more money and more money, even though there's, no, there's, there, there's not enough things to be able to spend that much money on, but they can't stop. So that's the nisayon of wealth, but it doesn't mean, and this is where we're going to hold it over here, we're going to see how he applies this to wisdom next week, but it doesn't mean that wealth is something which is bad, it just means that a person has a wrong perspective as far as what the wealth represents in his life. And in the same way, having an ego, having a self, being able to say, that you could prioritize your life ahead of others, that in and, itself, in and of itself is not a bad thing. It could become bad if it becomes only about self, but in and of its, but, but, but isolated. Having a, a, a an expectation that Hayecha told me, having this uh, this uh, this perspective that my life takes priority over others is not in and of itself something which is going to be a, which is going to be a bad thing as long as it's understood and it's put into this broader context which will develop more next week. But I want to spend a, a little bit more time um, talking about how he applies this to wisdom, and I don't want to rush through that here and try and get it done in a minute or two like we would do if it was the end of a daf. So we're just going to save this uh, for uh, for next week. Uh, whatever time class is going to be next week. I got it over here. So next week, class is going to be at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock on Zoom, where we'll pick it up from uh, from over here by this word, by this word, Afsha. With Hashem next week. All right, everybody. Thank you so right, much. Thank for you, coming. Rabbi. Yeah, all the best. Take care. Uh, uh, Thursday night, also eight ten. Be here.